Warning, this podcast contains strong content and may not be suitable for younger audiences. Please listen at your own discretion. Hi, I'm Mahani. Hi, I'm Erin with two R's. Welcome to Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads. Hey, welcome to episode one of Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads. In our first segment, we're going to talk about the wine that we'll be drinking and the first two chapters of our book. Honey, what are we drinking today? Well, I got a great white out of France called Grand Vin de Graves Chateau Tourillon. Please stop. <laughs> so we're going to put that wine in our show notes, but you can tell them what it tastes like. I don't speak French. <laughs> anyway, this wine has lovely acidic notes. You'll get a lot of grapefruit over the top. Very floral. Wonderfully elegant to go along with this wonderfully cynical, sarcastic okay, book. Okay, yeah, you just picked it so you could say pardon my French. That's literally the only reason. That's probably choo-choo. Okay, let's get started. So, chapter one, don't try. Don't do it. So we meet this guy, Charles Brutowski, and he's just a waste of space working in this post office and suddenly he gets discovered as a writer and all of his dreams magically come true. I don't know about the magically thing, but generally speaking, he recognized that he was a waste of space. <laughs> That's, I think that was the moral of the story. He recognized he was a waste of space and then still was able to become successful in a way that he didn't even think would happen. Yeah, he was a loser and accepted it and then wrote honestly about it. That's what he said. So it's when he stopped trying was when he finally started to become successful. So that's kind of what the basis of this whole chapter is based on. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is just supposed to set up the entire book. I mean, I highlighted a lot in chapter one. And the main thing I highlighted was this one thing. Uh, it says that the genius in Bukowski's work was not overcoming unbelievable odds or developing himself into a shining literary light. It was the opposite. It was his simple ability to be completely unflinchingly honest with himself, especially the worst parts of himself and to share his failings without hesitation or doubt, which is what you just said. It's just that stuck out to me because we know a lot of people who are trying like super hard to do things and it just isn't going well, but they just, for some reason or another, it just doesn't happen for them. Roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And he does kind of talk about the whole mantra thing, you know, truly happy people don't have to stand in front of a mirror and say, you are a happy person. They just are. Well, I mean, the Japanese, don't they have a thing where I, I, I heard this somewhere, I did not verify it. But then they have a thing where they're, they like stand in front of the mirror and laugh or something and it's supposed to... Oh, the laughing yoga. Yeah, that. Yeah. Something like that. Where? Oh, that exists. That's so a thing. That it's was thing. not something I dreamed about. No. I, it was awesome. probably me who told you about it, actually. I, I, I don't know. It's... Considering. <laughs> yeah, there's that. And then the affirmations in the mirror in the morning, like, you know, you are... You are successful. You're the baddest bitch. Or you, know? you could just be successful. Okay. Say, then, do. Yeah. 
but it's the doing part that becomes challenging. Anyone can say it, but it takes a much stronger person to actually do it. It really does take not giving a fuck, so mm-hmm. let's, <laughs> we need to get back. And he also talks about social media bombarding us with happy things, oh, and that makes, that makes life that much more challenging when you're feeling bad. You feel worse because now you have like 46 people smiling at you saying, hey, my life's awesome, and yours isn't. So that's part of it. Kind of touches on the whole mental mental health decline. It might have a little something something to do with it, maybe, perhaps. So he says, very few animals on earth have the ability to have thoughts about their thoughts. I thought that was interesting. It's true. You know, we we get into this loop about thinking, hey, I'm in a bad mood. Well, why am I in a bad mood? Well, now I'm in a bad mood about being in a bad mood. Why are you in such a bad mood? Well, now I'm just pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this feedback loop thing is. Real, I, I think kind of a conclusion for this, and it's not really the conclusion. Well, it's a few pages later. It's I wrote, you know, the moments of non-fuckery are the moments that most define our lives. So my note was to, like, give a fuck, but also don't. Worrying and stressing out does not lead to results, honey child. And, I, yes, I did write honey child in my notes. And she did the head thing, too, guys. I absolutely did. It's very important. Yeah, I cannot draw that in my notes. <laughs> Yeah. The thing that I highlighted was wanting a positive experience is a negative experience. Accepting negative experience is a positive experience. Is that confusing? That's a serious mind fuck if ever I've heard one. Does anybody understand that? (laughs) It it actually, it makes sense because you you try so hard trying to get exactly the perfect picture instead of just accepting where you're at and enjoying the moment. I think that's really what he's kind of getting at in this section of the chapter. I think we need to head to chapter two now. So we should talk about Disappointment Panda? No, we should not. So, Disappointment Panda. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it? Nope. (laughs) We're not talking about that. I just, I refuse to talk about Disappointment Panda. This is where I started having an issue because it was so much like chapter three of Grapes of Wrath with the turtle. And I was like, I am not doing any more turtle chapters. Not doing it. Right. So. So all I'm going to say is pain in all its forms is our body's most effective means of spurring action. I thought that that was a pretty profound statement out of the Disappointment Panda chapter. Yeah. And I just, one of the things I mentioned was that I just think when we talk about the exceeding the limits and our nervous system punishes us to make sure we pay attention and never do it again. I just thought that this particular chapter did not apply to myself or people who are in the arts because I mean, rejection is just built into our our careers. You know, you go out and you're supposed to get hired on a gig and they don't accept you because you're not what they're looking for. That's not necessarily a mistake that you made. So the not giving a fuck in that perspective has to be I don't give a fuck that they didn't want me I'm gonna go to this next audition and you might get tons of no's but you know that pain is not so that we don't do it again it's so that we don't get into the feedback loop from hell (laughs) I think that's what that kind of does and I I guess that's probably why the disappointment panda like pisses me off because I was like what the hell am I reading (laughs) Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting that he said to be happy we need something to solve happiness is therefore a form of action but in the section before he said the solution to one problem is merely the creation of the next one I thought that that was a little contradictory personally because if we we need something to solve in order to be happy then the solution of one problem is merely the creation of the next one according to that statement those two statements put together we're never going to realize happiness i don't 
don't think that's what he's saying, but it is. I just, <laughs> I just, in these first three chapters, two chapters, my whole takeaway was like, don't give a fuck about that. Give a fuck about the moment that you're living in, as opposed to worrying about the future or worrying about Bukowski. Like he was just like, yeah, my life sucks. I'm working a job I don't want to do, but he didn't just say, okay, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to do anything. That's where the disappointment panda jumps in with the pain and that crap. Ugh, hate admitting that. But anyway. <laughs> well, he, he does yeah. attack indifference. He does attack indifference in the first chapter. So, you know, he's not encouraging us to be indifferent. He's, he's just encouraging us to give justifiable fucks, if you will. Yeah. Be selective about our fucks, if you will. Yeah, that's, I, you know what, take it from somebody who literally has zero fucks. The thing I highlighted was most people envision giving no fucks whatsoever. They imagine this kind of serene indifference to everything, a calm that weathers all the storms. No, it's really not like that. As somebody who has actually gone through a period of indifference and had to figure out how to feel again, and I put that in quotes, <laughs> how to feel. She did use her quotes. Like, and I had a lot of emotions. I was just suppressing them. And that's, that's kind of what indifference goes down to. I wrote, been there, done that, that piece that passes all understanding is not indifference it's peace that is not feeling it's indifference when you're not feeling is not peace it's just nothing and there's nothing good that comes out of that indifference so that i if i had had the the verb the actual written version of the book i would have put stars and hearts and balloons around it no i wouldn't because i hate that stuff <laughs> okay so who you are is defined by what you're willing to struggle for I thought that was a beautiful statement to wrap up this chapter. It, and it's true. If you're if you're willing to hurt for something, you're going to fall in love with it. You don't just decide, hey, I'm going to run a marathon because it's super fun and my legs are never going to be sore. That's not true. <laughs> it's madness. Bodybuilders don't sit there and like, I'm going to lift 500 pounds just because I think it makes my arms feel like wonderful, wonderful, noodly jello. Nope, not it. I've never met a football player and I've met a lot of football players that enjoys getting hit on the field but they all love football if you're willing to suffer if you're willing to fight if you're willing to push if you're willing to make your legs turn into jello and take that hit you're going to fall in love with whatever it is that comes on the other side of that I have to agree with you I, I like what what happens after that or before that I can't tell where it is in your book yeah, it is after that. It was, um, this is not about willpower or grit. It's the most simple and basic component of life. Our struggles determine our success. Our problems birth our happiness along with slightly better, slightly upgraded problems. <laughs> I, I thought that was hilarious because every time I've moved forward in a personal goal or a career goal, the problems were not over. It wasn't just, oh, I know how to solve all the problems that I've dealt with so far. Huh. It was really just like, I know how to solve those problems and now I have new problems to solve. Like Mahani said, if you're willing to struggle or suffer, suffer for it, is that what you said? I don't yeah, even know what you said. Absolutely. Is that what you said? Yes. Then you, you'll you fall in love with it. And I agree because I'm kind of witnessing that right now like in my life. As much flack as I gave this book I'm really it's hashtag relatable <laughs> told you so Oh, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that brings us to our next chapter. Okay. So what was your biggest takeaway from besides the passionate speech you just gave? Um, what was your <laughs> biggest takeaway? I guess at this point, what, what made you keep reading the book? Cause literally you could have put the book down because that was a lot. <laughs> 
Honestly, I've read so much self-help stuff and it just gets so poofy and cotton candy pink and covered in ribbons. It just kind of makes you want to throw up on it at some point. And this was so refreshing to have all of that great material in this cynical, straightforward, roll your eyes, I'm going to curse at you and it's not going to matter. Just doled out on this piece of paper in your face and still let it be completely relatable. It was so refreshing to see that. That's that's what made me fall for this book so hard. And I, I've read it, this is the third time through it actually, and I'm getting new stuff every time I read it. What was it for you? That you told me to read it and we wanted to talk about it. That literally was it. But I, in, in making myself read it again, I'm looking at it differently. I see it that there are lots of tidbits for everybody in different walks of life at different points in their lives, at different points in their career, personal goals and all of that stuff. I, I think there's a lot to take away. And then the, the title of the next chapter, You Are Not Special. I was like, the hell I ain't. So <laughs> that kind of kept me reading. It's, it really is snarky. Oh, and there's the teapot. That's, that's where we are for our chapter one and two. And we need to brew the tea, so... So we'll be right back with you guys in just a couple minutes with a fresh pot of brewed tea and chapters three and four. back to wine tea and tasty reads so we have our tea brewed and we're ready to move into chapters three and four Erin why don't you tell us what we're drinking so we have Tivana passion tango tea it's caffeine free it's an herbal tea it's not a light tea like you think caffeine free herbal teas would be it has hibiscus which I'm getting a lot of that but I also get a lot of cinnamon and the apple and mango and there's also a little bit of rose hips and rose petals <laughs> Sorry. Um, maybe Mahani would do better if she just read the ingredients in French. She likes oh, to read French. Oh, is that French? French? Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> Spare us. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and get into it. So chapter three, you are not special. I am, damn it. So we have Jimmy the Lout and... <laughs> Mark the emotional wreck in this chapter. Do we even hear the word lout ever? <laughs> That's what he is. I guess so, yeah. He's, he's a, a swindler, really. I don't know. I, I didn't see him like that. I think I saw him as the guy who was just like, I'm so ready to live life, and I'm just so ready to do all these things. And then he just, like, doesn't know how to do it. I remember I was I was giving you an analogy about like being handed this diamond but didn't give you a setting and so he's just like I have a diamond and like all of his ideas to him are diamonds so he just has a room full of diamonds with no settings and no means to go and get those settings but does he really have a diamond or is it just well cut glass that's that's kind of what Jimmy sounded like to me he's trying to sell off this beautifully cut glass like they're diamonds like Mark says in here he, he said it was it's wonderful to be around guys like Jimmy because you feel like you're on top of the world because Jimmy just thinks so highly of himself it takes a huge amount of energy to be that entitled I don't know I yeah I mean yeah there's a there's a sense of entitlement because I'm, I'm sure people like Jimmy think like they can do anything they set their mind to but has he actually set his mind to it? I don't I don't that's, see that. 
That's I a fair see point. that as somebody who's just like, oh, I found this thing. It's going to make me rich. Oh, I found this thing. It's like, it's it's basically the, the Ponzi schemes. It's a pyramid scheme. It's all of that. And it and it's not meaning to be. It really was meant to make something better or make something of his life. Well, it's meant to make one guy rich and great and awesome, but everybody else just kind of stays down there at the bottom of the pyramid, supporting the guy at the top of the pyramid. He talks about that, too, in the exceptionalism you know not everybody can be exceptional by definition exceptional if everybody was exceptional then you wouldn't be exceptional <laughs> do you remember in the incredibles i promise this is related when um syndrome was selling all of his things to like normal people like his whole business was made because he wasn't a super he didn't naturally have any powers mm -hmm. and i remember that one line he said was when everybody's super no one is yeah I remember yeah. that just popped into my head when Absolutely. you said that. And he, he says it great. When your level of success is exceptional, then nobody's successful. And then you have these people that are at the top of the bell curve. And instead of choosing to be average in the middle of the bell curve, these other people decide to just sink all the way down to the bottom. And you're like, I'm so bad. I'm still special, but I'm not exceptional. I'm just that bad. And that's the danger there. Mm -hmm. when you make exceptionalism the bar. Yeah, I know I keep talking back on being an artist and things like that, but the bar is really high in most careers. You know, as an opera singer, like, we all want that contract at the Met, but we can't all have that. They only have a certain amount of spots. So we have to figure out how are we going to make our money elsewhere, you know, some other way. But there's no problem with not getting the Met contract because, right. once again, everybody cannot have that contract. There's not a problem with not getting the Houston Grand, Op Grand Opera contract right. because everybody, there's only so many slots. Jimmy, to me, seemed like that person that was just going after the one thing. It was tunnel vision after success without actually defining the possibilities of what success could be. Success right. is not just one thing. And the inundation of the exceptional makes people feel worse about themselves makes them feel like they need to be more extreme, more radical, and more self-assured to get noticed or even matter. And that's, I mean, honestly, look at the arts. Like, we typically try to pull gimmicks and become a character so that we can be remembered after an audition or after during a gig, you know? Like, the worst thing is to be not remembered after you did an actual principal role, you know? <laughs> so when we make exceptional the bar, then it just makes it that much harder for you to recognize that success happens in different ways. Right. Uh, the quote for ordinaries, maybe they're ordinary for a reason because ordinary is what actually matters. Yes. I think that's probably what I was looking at. I highlighted above that. <laughs> Even what we're doing right now, like the paragraph before that, it says you have a growing appreciation for life's basic experiences, the pleasure of simple friendship, creating something, helping a person in need, reading a good book, haha, <laughs> like us, and laughing with someone you care about also like us <laughs> so <laughs> all of that to say trying to be special <laughs> without recognizing that moments have their special time or their special glimmers right ordinary can be special right and if you look at it hard enough you'll realize that ordinary actually is really special it's just not exceptional an exceptional can't be all the time. But then also he talks about social media and how we just get bombarded. Like you said, with exceptional, this is exceptional, my life is amazing. Especially lifestyle bloggers. From them, I always get the appearance of everything is great. And then you have that one episode where 
it's just like doom and gloom and something has happened and this is how we overcome it. And I'm just like, I've never wanted to be that kind of vlogger. I just feel like my life has ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. Life is a roller coaster. Yeah, and sometimes you're going to have big drops and sometimes you're going to have little drops. But I mean, even she in this it. book, oh my gosh, she's at Disneyland now, Disney World. I love Disney World. Okay. Um, Wee! <laughs> sorry I brought up roller coasters. And also The Incredibles, because that's that's what happened. Okay, back to the book. Right, book. <laughs> it says the best that we're every day. I, I really struggle to say all day, every day instead of all day or day. We are flooded with the truly extraordinary, the best of the best, the worst of the worst, the greatest physical feats, the funniest jokes, the most upsetting news, the scariest threats, nonstop. Our lives today are filled with information from the extremes of the bell curve of the human experience because in the media business, that's what get eyeballs and eyeballs bring dollars. And that's literally the views on different social media sites, especially with like vloggers and on like regular posts. So they push it. It sells better. It does. Yeah. So basically it was like, you're not special and it's okay to not be considered special by societal standards. And that's the biggest takeaway, especially from that last line that you just read. The, the last line in the chapter was just... But maybe they're ordinary for a reason because they are what actually matters. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a very profound statement too. So moving into chapter four, we get into the value of suffering. I don't think anybody really wants to suffer, but it is a valuable tool. We talked about with the, your, your favorite character, Disappointment Panda. If we don't experience pain, how can we understand what to or what not to do? And obviously there's aspects where that's not relatable, but for the most part, you kick the chair and you stub your toe, probably not going to kick the chair again. And that's a good thing because if you do it too many times, you will eventually break your toe. Like me. Yeah, <laughs> like you do. Exactly. <laughs> I did break my toe. Apparently, I didn't learn any of that lesson. And now I understand why Disappointment Panda was so hard for you. Oh, hush. <laughs> <laughs> it was an accident. Sure. I was, was. jet lagged mm. and delirious. Anyway, I did, however, like the self awareness onion. I think <laughs> onions have layers and ogres have layers. It's true. Oh, sorry. It's true. I just. I'm just quoting everything today besides the actual book that we're reading. I, Fiona. <laughs> okay, okay. So, <laughs> you want to get us started on this one? Oh, I, I thought the self-awareness onion was, was a great section, too. Suffering leads to peeling away at layers, and if you peel away enough layers, eventually you get to the center of the onion, right? And that takes a certain amount of suffering. You build a huge amount of self-awareness when you go through stuff. It's just part of what creates wisdom. Nobody ever got wise just skirting through life with everything handed to them and a silver spoon stuck straight up their ass. It's just not something that happens. Oh, is that where we put those now? <laughs> so I like that he has written about the emotional blind spots yep. and that, that part, it, whew, I was not ready to go there uh, at all. And um, I still don't want to, but since we are reading this book, uh, let's go ahead and do it. So hey, bear it all. Onions make you cry too. Yeah, I don't. I wasn't planning Peel on crying. Peel it away. Stop Peel it. it. Away. Nah. <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, it says like we have the emotional blind spots, and they're from what we were taught were not good emotions when we were growing up. I really do think society has taught us to hide our fears and our failures and how we feel about rejection, which makes 
life a lot more difficult if you don't realize that all of those downs makes the up better. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it makes you notice the up. Like, how do you know this is an exceptionally good day as compared to yesterday without having had, you know, a week ago where things were horrible. And then it says, um, this second layer of the self-awareness onion is the ability to ask why we feel those emotions. After that, I was like, because we're human and humans have freaking feelings whether we like to or not. Well, it's why is can be a very hard question, especially when we're talking about our emotions. It gets really deep really fast and it, it cuts and it hurts but the thing is that's what's so real about it i mean a few chapters ago he was talking about how emotions are overrated but now we're just delving into them and diving in head first because it's it is it's part of suffering um, you can't have suffering without emotions you can't have emotions without sufferings like Aaron said you can't enjoy the ups if you don't first experience the downs so suffering is absolutely an important part of gaining wisdom and building into your life and moving past these tiny little roadblocks caused by things like entitlement and really learning how not to truly give a fuck I don't know if we have time to talk about his staying positive the one thing i had the biggest issue with was um when it was saying like one of the shitty values is staying positive and i (laughs) my note was toxic motherfucking positivity get you every time (laughs) and i started calling it that people call it toxic positivity i'm like no you need the motherfucker in the middle so um i just i don't know it's like having rose-colored glasses and not not accepting what's happening. If you look on the bright side all the time, but there's like crap coming at you in the dark side, like how do you address, you don't even address it, you just keep looking into the light while the zombie comes up behind you? Like there's nothing positive about that. You know, like you do have to address that. Um, See, the one that got me was always being right because that's kind of an obsession of mine. I, I had, that one hit me hard. I'm like, I don't always have to be right. It's okay to be wrong. You can stand down sometimes. You're not stupid if you're not right. It's fine. That That's the one that gave me like the, the, uh-huh. the night sweats and the rocking and I need a blanket and somebody get me a whoopee. Typical Aquarius. Yeah. <laughs> you're one to talk. <laughs> we're both Aquarians, guys. And we're both Ravenclaws for all of you Potterheads. Just, yeah, just so you know. It's... It, it, it's hard <laughs> if you can't tell that we have a podcast about tea wine and books that, yes that's yeah and and of course you have the pleasure and material successes are in there also but i mean like i said aquarians and ravenclaws we just those things are easy for us i just my last thing about this um this particular section that we're on Um, where it says defining good and bad values. It says when we have poor values, that is poor standards, we set for ourselves and others, we're essentially giving fucks about the things that don't matter. Things that in fact make our lives worse. But when we choose better values, we're able to divert our fucks to something better toward things that matter. Things that improve the state of our well-being and things that generate happiness, pleasure, and success as side effects. Really, the most important word was side effects. It wasn't even like you didn't even cause it to happen. You just said, you know what? This is this is how it is. And I wrote that that was perspective. Like, Absolutely. the whole book could have been called Perspective. I agree, um, but this is far more interesting. <laughs> it would not have sold as many copies if it were named Perspective. I wouldn't have picked it up. I, I, look, I didn't even pick this one up. You made me read it. 
I wouldn't have made you read it. Okay. <laughs> the Formula One is going to sit there and say good values are reality-based, socially constructive, and immediate and controllable. I thought that that was so useful. And I'm sitting here going, okay, I like that. I can work with that. That's a formula. I like formulas. And, and bad vil- values are superstitious, socially destructive, and not immediate or controllable. It's just, it's so simple. You just get rid of the superstitious stuff. I don't like it when this happens. I don't like it when this happens. I don't like it when this happens. Nope, let's get rid of that. This is a factual statement. So therefore I'm going to reach for that. And then I'm going to try and build up my society like this by reaching for this factual statement. And I can control this how. So that's how you set your goals. It's, it's so much simpler than a lot of times we tend to make it because we get emotional and superstitious and start going on tangents, kind of like how I'm doing right now. I don't, I don't think that was that much of a tangent. I think that was a good example of um, the good and bad values. Thank you. So, you are validated. Thank you. I feel seen. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at you right now. I don't like that phrase at all. I don't know, this this Freud quote, I guess we can stop there because we're about to go into chapter five um, next time. Um, and it said, one day, in retrospect, the years of struggle will strike you as the most beautiful. Um, I'm looking forward to that day because the years of struggle, like, we just don't talk about those. No. I have struck them from my memory until I feel like singing Barbara Streisand the way we were. Like, if, if, it, if it happens, it happens, but... Um, very likely. Well, I like the Gladys Knight version, but I like both of them. Just, you know, the way we were. Just, here's bits and pieces. Could it be that it was all so simple then? <laughs> okay, sorry. That was a tangent. And now we're getting out of line. <laughs> Alright, are you done with your tea yet? That's almost. Okay. So join us next time on Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads, where we explore chapters 5 through 7 of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Shout out to our spotlight wine and tea producers, Chateau Tuleonia and Tivana. And a special shout out to our wine steward, Frank, over at Spec Sugarland, Texas. You've never given me a bad bottle. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at Wine, Tea, Tasty Reads for fun extras and links to our bonus content. Cheers until next time. And remember, don't waste your time drinking bad wine. Don't oversteep your tea. And join us next week on Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads. A Chiro Music Production.